Welcome to the Front End Podcast. We explore the ins and outs of life as a developer. We delve into challenging topics around modern day development and technology, including learning, professional growth, programming languages, frameworks, tools, techniques, UX, UI, careers, and so much more. So joining us for the very first episode of season two, no less, we have got Peter White, who is a developer, entrepreneur, and maker based in York. His previous projects and uh, products include a SaaS platform, JobBoard.io, which I always want to pronounce JobBoardio. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and we work together at a hosting company in York called ByteMart. He's worked with global firms like Thomson Reuters and NHS England. He's from some SMEs and charities. And he's going to talk to us a little bit to, about entrepreneurship. And I minimize the amount of times I say that word. <laughs> and and freelancing and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, Pete, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I didn't realize I was the big introduction to season two. So I, I'm honored. You are. I'm not going to lie to you. I've never, you know, our audience may tell, I've never done a podcast before. I'm not sure how many seasons you're supposed to have, how many episodes per season, how long they should be. So yeah, you, you know, kicking things off, you've had quite the career thus far as an entrepreneur. How did you get into the the tech scene? I'm totally winging it. Nice. It's That's good for people to hear because I think most people think you need a plan. And the amount of times I see that come up on Twitter where it's like, what am I supposed to do? And you're like, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. We're all just kind of winging it it's uh just we, we hope we just don't get found out i think that's like the very the very definition of imposter syndrome i kind of hate like hearing or introducing myself because i i definitely don't identify as an entrepreneur i don't identify as a developer i end up just going towards work that i find interesting and i find fulfilling and so far that's worked out pretty well so i've ended up getting involved in startups and all sorts of different things as a result well, I liked your your little sort of strap line from your website that is kind of developer, entrepreneur, and like maker. And I like that. I like the maker tag. I think some some things can like that can come off as a little bit cheesy sometimes, but I think it, it sums up quite well what you do because you you sort of not you know for someone who's not a developer, some of the stuff you've done it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's like in development, but you've also been like a product owner and you're one of the best I've worked with. And that's not just blood smoke. You know, I've worked with some terrible ones. And yeah, I think you make stuff happen. But then again, I think that's what entrepreneurs do, isn't it? It's the kind of stir stuff up get people going and then move on to like the next thing yeah what was it that that kind of attracted you to this i suppose like ambling meandering path of entrepreneurship yeah it's a good question like i say i just tend to gravitate towards solving problems and doing interesting things so yeah it's kind of difficult to pinpoint the moment that I actually started doing it because it feels like I've just had that attitude almost my whole life. So like when I was 14 years old, I started repairing laptops for a dance college on like a free lance basis because they were paying too much for repairs at PC World and stuff like that. And then I guess that attitude of just winging it and trying to solve problems for people just continued. And now... Like every other week, I've got an idea for a product or a project I want to get involved in. Uh, I suppose that's quite satisfying if you're able to kind of have those ideas and then then go off and work on them. Because I mean, I'm I'm not someone who who has a lot of ideas. I'm good at the code, but I'm not so much the idea person. But that I think a lot of people also have the ideas, but then don't have the means to kind of do it. So to to marry those two together must be pretty satisfying, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. I kind of feel like I'm a one man kind of agency type thing. I, I try and do it all, 
from marketing and my project management and I try and do dev and then I run out of time and end up working all night. So it's definitely not a sustainable way, but I do like that entrepreneurship gives you lots of variety if you want it. You can jump in and out of different things and learn a lot of skills. And that's very counterintuitive to the type of career advice you hear on podcasts or from careers advisors or you read in books. It's all about this route, whereas it's kind of like discovery and learning stuff for life, which is very fulfilling. I think it's a nice time to be alive, though, because, I mean, I, I grew up in that very, you know, you've got to have a plan and a job. And then it's like this this multi-stage plan, that just, like mill that everyone goes through. And nowadays, you know, with, with the Internet and technology, you can kind of just about make anything into a passion. I mean, there's people who have successful YouTube channels. One of them's like a, a, a glorified welder, really. He makes like crazy swords and kind of metal worker on YouTube and he's got millions of followers and he probably makes a tidy living from the ads off that. But it's like crazy because, you know, outside of that, if you said to someone, I want to make fantasy swords for a living and then, then film it, you know, like even, even sort of five, six, seven years ago, people would be like, nah, that's, that's not a thing. And yet that kind of thing has opened, opened it up these days. Did you have, did you start off with a kind of a job path then almost like I started doing development or was it literally just, I've just kind of always moved around and followed what, followed what I fancied? Yeah, it's a good question. I I have a psychology degree, which kind of surprises a lot of people. That what I wanted to do was I really loved computers, but I really loved watching people use computers. So how people interact with them. So I wanted to go into human computer interaction research. And that was what I thought I would do as my career path. But as I got older and started networking and meeting people, I kind of realized, well, I can just start fixing these problems. So a bit of dev came in. And then it's like, well, why did these problems come around in the first place? And then you've got a bit of product management, a bit of entrepreneurship coming in. It's not, it's not as crazy as it sounds, though. I mean, when you, yeah. you know, because fundamentally, you know, technology in the space we live in is about bringing people together and solving problems. I know developers especially like to get very hunkered down in the in the kind of um actuallys of, of no, this div has to be like this. And you can't <laughs> use this, this name for this thing. But ultimately, you know, it's about you facilitating data back and forth to the user and presenting mm. it in a, in a manner that's appealing and, and how learning more about how people interact with things is, you know, a core part ultimately of like a digital product that you build. So it is weirdly you know more useful than you think unlike say bethany we were talking about earlier who we also used to work with but she was an earlier guest on the show who had a medieval history degree which she'll admit herself is just a mental degree to get to get like from there into into sort of tech so it is it is more related than you think i i think it's fair to say that, that one of the biggest successes you've had is with the 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 job audio and it's because it, it got acquired by ZipRecruiter. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit more about how you got involved with that? Because I think I, I've known you as like the, the co-founder, but were, were you, was that something you, another idea that you had that you kind of started and, and ran with or did you join the project? Or Yeah, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's kind of a long story. I, I was kind of like a founding team member, but ultimately I was like a contractor for jobboard.io. It's a weird occurrence actually i found their support forum on facebook and me being just a weird stalker entrepreneur idea seeking guy i pretended to be a customer and i I joined the support forum and then i started answering people's questions that were just like how do i get my jobs on indeed.com what's an xml feed so i kind of ended up doing this free customer support service 
for a couple of weeks. So I was just trying to get my head around what is a job board and how does all this stuff work? And then the founder of jobboard.io, he reached out to me and he said, well, you're doing all this customer support stuff. Why, why don't I just pay you to do it? And it's like, well, I kind of already had a job. So I just started doing it in my spare time. And our relationship kind of developed from there to the point where I was basically running operations for uh, jobboard.io, helping with QA, doing bits of dev work helping with marketing, onboarding customers, uh, and really became part of a founding team then. But like I say, the whole winging it approach just came there. I came in basically to just help people and just kind of out of curiosity. Then all of a sudden, I'm in this Ruby on Rails code base. I have absolutely no idea how any of it works, and I'm figuring it out as I, as I go. And the same with the sales and the same with the marketing. So the takeaway is, kids, stalk your heroes. <laughs> yeah. Get the, get the job you want by stalking. I love it. I, I kind of have this little bit of a thing that I tell myself is, if you kind of see a rocket ship of a company, you see something and you're like, you love the mission, or you think they're just about to make a lot of money with their idea, don't worry about what seat you get on the rocket ship. Just sit down, it's going somewhere good, and then get a better seat over time but ultimately you've just got to get involved with things that you find interesting and then everything else follows that is that is brill i love i love it i love a good analogy and that is that is one of the best i've heard i like it but i think it feeds into that attitude i mentioned it a lot on here it's something that i fundamentally have that like you need to keep your ear to the ground about opportunities and then you know if you if you one that comes up that sounds interesting you know that that's how i've you know got i say got to where i am <laughs> like i'm some kind of mega developer but i think i've always found the right place by just being open to opportunities and that doesn't mean you know i've just got a job and then two weeks later oh that looks quite interesting but yeah you know it, it's just sometimes you don't know whether it's the right time or not or whether you can do it or not but it sounds like you said like a rocket ship you want to be on mm. so get on it as best you can yeah what projects you're working on at the moment so when COVID hit, I started thinking about what I actually wanted to do. Uh, I had a bit of a gap after I'd been involved in uh, property management software, helping them build a MVP and get that to market. So I started to think, well, what do I want to do? So I've ended up doing helping some startups in the US with front-end software development, doing view apps and WordPress and all sorts. So I've kind of slipped back into that dev role and I'm, I'm trying to get back into good habits with code review and actually writing tests, not the whole entrepreneur hustle of an MVP. That, that just describes most developers <laughs> trying, trying, trying to get into good habits. That's uh, the, main, the main key. Do you, have, do you have a certain leaning towards particular types of projects or kind of areas of interest or is it just, it could literally be anything. It's just whether it tickles your fancy or not. Yeah, that's it really. Just if it sounds interesting, I'll probably reach out or just prospect towards doing that type of work. But yeah, a lot of front-end stuff recently, which has been good. It scratches that kind of psychological itch to make stuff that's easy for people to use and make sense. The, the companies that I'm involved with are all quite design-led, which really helps. They look nice. That I saw the one you did for the effectively the US version of the furlough scheme, like the calculate you, yeah, like yeah. the pay calculator thing, and that yeah was really really impressive. Quite nice, nice, sexy looking uh, bit of an app that was. Yeah, it's nice. They have this kind of like side project mentality where they're trying to build tools that help 
small businesses and help them acquire customers, which is a, a really like novel approach. It means you can put a new dev on a small project for maybe three or four weeks. You can do it in a new technology because you're not going to need to revisit it all the time. So we did it in uh, Alpine, which was fun. And it helps uh, bring customers towards their product. It gives some variety for the developers as well. You get to work on a little bit of a new code base for a new little side project, which is nice. I, I know we, we kind of mentioned, I, I think I've blurred the lines a little bit between the two terms of like entrepreneur and mm. freelancer. But I, I think there's definitely a distinction between like the, the two. Yeah. Do, you, do you find that and do you think of yourself more as one than the other? Or like you said, is, is just the, the, there isn't really a term for, for, what, for what you are? Uh, okay, okay. With my partner, I refer to myself and what I do as kind of the Peter White company because I can't think of it in terms of that distinction. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about, well, I've got bills to pay. I've got to make money and the thing that keeps my lifestyle going is my little peter white company so whether i'm developing a product or i'm doing freelancing for someone or i'm doing a bit of contract development it all goes on the same cash flow so to me they're not particularly distinct but they i do get your point that they require a different kind of thinking to do right but I mean, I think with with freelancing and entrepreneurship, there there is a bit of an overlap. I think, in, in certainly in terms of you know the wearing of many hats. What do you find is the biggest challenge with with kind of your approach to work like that? Like, there's a, a full stack entrepreneur freelancer contract type of role where it's a hybrid, and you're doing a bit of everything. Going back to the the challenge, what what's the biggest sort of challenge you face with that? I suppose self-employment is basically what it boils down to. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, for, for, for any freelancer or any business, lead generation is always going to be a problem. Until you can systemize and make that predictable, it's going to be difficult to get the consistency of a salary from kind of ad hoc work. And that's the thing that kills most freelance or business careers that you just can't get consistent cash flow coming out of what you're doing so yeah i think the biggest challenge is lead generation just full stop i I would agree that is you spend a disproportionate amount of time in the sales kind of pipeline and the bigger you go the more time you spend kind of just faffing about really trying to get people to decide do they want your services and do they want to pay for that and they're not, not even things like negotiating just literally getting that project over the line you know they'll tell you they need it next week and then you're like right then we need to get started and just nothing happens what advice do you have for people looking to kind of start their own business or or break away from their day job and kind of transition into freelancing other than get good at sales yeah it's a good question for me the key part of that question was the whole break away from your current job and how you end up in a in a situation where you can break away but you can still have that kind of stability in your life. Uh, I think the easiest route is if you can start to do something like what you want to do. So if you want to uh, make a product, a software as a service company, or you want to be a freelancer, could you fit in eight hours a week alongside your main job? And importantly, are you legally able to? Does your employer prohibit moonlighting? So that's where I kind of start. Can you just check your employment contract and make sure you're okay to do it? If you're not, negotiate so you are. 
and then start to figure out how you can move your working hours around to free up time or if you can uh, start your freelancing career or whatever on uh, on those evening and weekends alongside your main job and then it's just a case of like building on that over time slowly reducing your main job and increasing your kind of entrepreneurial ambitions until you're freestanding i suppose i missed a question back there with lead generation as well how do you find like do you go about is it is it now that you've done quite a few successful products uh, and you know like jobs and projects and things do you find that you get quite a lot of word of mouth do you have to do a bit more chasing yourself or is it kind of a mix of a bunch of things feast or famine sometimes in in feast mode i get quite a lot of word of mouth just from previous projects i've done are people they want to do version two uh, of what i've worked with them on because i've got that kind of project manager background any project that i've done it starts with a project plan and there's always some scope removed so they'll want to come back in future to develop that or go in another direction and most of the time they'll come directly to me for that when things are a bit leaner particularly you know with lockdown people have been yeah, they've been cancelling projects and uh, they just don't have that much to spend and that's that's fair enough. I've started to go online and either find like developer marketplaces or just prospect myself. So send cold email out to companies that I know are hiring for particular skill sets. So if they've got a front-end dev job open or they've had one open in the past that says they need a view dev and I've decided I want to be a view dev that week, send them an outreach email with a couple of portfolio projects and see if they want someone for 15 20 hours or a project and just just being proactive like that that's pretty cool i like that if i want to be a view <laughs> this week do you do you have any any client horror stories we all love a bit of gossip and by we i mean me <laughs> i'm not sure how many i'm allowed to disclose change the names for for their protection (laughs) the names have been redacted to protect the innocent but they're not innocent they're horrible clients i've been really lucky in that i've not really had any horrible client relationships but but that comes from my kind of project management background in that it's really really clear from day one probably because generally they've paid for a project plan what they can expect at the end of a project and when it's going to be delivered, what the budget's going to be. Most horror stories come from when that scope like runs away uh, and there's requirements that the customer assume that you were meeting that you've not actually managed to, to fit in during the project time. So I think I've been like proactive in kind of avoiding that and just making expectations clear. Yeah, I must admit, if I think back to the ones that it's gone awry for me, it's normally because you've got a bit giddy at the fact that you've got a customer <laughs> and they're like enthusiastic and you're enthusiastic and you just start building the house without planning what you're building, you know, and it's, it's like you're halfway through and you realize, oh, we can't put a bathroom in the loft uh, or we, we can't, you know, can't put a kitchen in the garage kind of thing. It's just, it's just, yeah, that's, I've run off of my metaphors, but generally that, that, that kind of, yeah, the planning's gone awry. On, on a similar theme, what kind of red flags should people watch out for if they're kind of freelancers in general? Is there any kind of red flags and things that you kind of go, ooh, that's, yeah, that's that's not one for me, I'm going to pass? Yeah, I, I think I, I've obviously just said about billing for project planning. If they come back to you and they say they're not willing to pay for project planning, two things have happened. One, 
you've not sufficiently sold them on the benefits of looking forward and making sure that their project's going to work in an orderly fashion rather than in an ad hoc way. Or two, the client is too budget conscious and they're only wanting to pay for actual labor building the product, which shows kind of a lack of foresight from them. So that that would be my red flag, that they refuse to pay for discovery or research or your time in kind of specking out and making sure that you're going to do a good job of a project. Other red flags are less obvious. I, I think if somebody fundamentally misunderstands how what you're going to build is going to affect their business, that that's a red flag because they're never going to make a return on the money that they've spent for your time and you're never going to get follow-on work. I, I think if, if you can get, make sure that you're delivering value for your client and that you're doing proper due diligence before you start, that avoids most red flags. If they're not willing to do that, it's it's not worth proceeding. And lastly, I've I've known you in the in the largest capacity as a as an excellent project manager. Five is in the post <laughs> <laughs> slash product owner, which again distinct roles, but similar things going on. Um, and it, since it is a very developer heavy podcast, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on what makes kind of a good development team. How how can they perform at their best? Do you have any kind of do's or don'ts? Yeah, that's a great question. For for me, I'm a like agile practitioner. I've got the certificates on the wall, yada yada yada. So I kind of come to a bit of a fluffy, non-technical argument, which is it's all about alignment. If the whole team knows at the end of the day what product you're going to make, what the project's actually for, people in the team can work independently towards that goal. Say someone in the team is blocked because they need some code merging, or they're just struggling on some work. If a team's not aligned, that person will probably just be left to struggle because everybody's so busy focusing on their other work. If everybody's aligned and they know what's going to happen six months, 12 months from now, and that's something that excites them, they'll deprioritize their own work to help other people. And ultimately, the team will move quicker as a result. So I, I think just getting aligned behind a vision and the whole team knowing where they're going. Uh, that's the key to a productive team because it, it minimizes communication. You can just get on with it and know that you're all going the same direction. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's one of the core pillars of Agile, I think, isn't it? Is, is that kind of visibility of what are we all doing? Is anyone stuck? Because I think a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm a bit more vocal about, yeah, this is not happening, where yeah. I think a lot of people, they will just go quietly into a corner and die yeah. um, <laughs> waiting on stuff to be merged or or things like that. So, yeah, no, that, that's that's great advice. Do you have anything you want to you want to talk about, you want to plug while we're here? Yeah, I got a website. You can go have a look at that, peterwhite.dev. Uh, bit of a portfolio on there if you want to try and figure out what the hell I've been doing recently. That, that's my plug. No album coming out anytime soon, I'm afraid. Damn, I was hoping for an album. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for, for coming on. That's been a great glimpse into the life of a, of a maker slash entrepreneur slash freelancer. <laughs> and, and yeah, I think we've got some good tips there for people. Weirdly, the, the thing I'm about to go and do after this mm. is I've got like a live stream recording on YouTube and that's the topic. So it's quite a topical kind of thing that we're going on, but it is about freelancing and nice. with a bunch of other successful freelancers and things, which I don't include myself as, but I'm on there somehow. Feel free to steal my rocket ship metaphor. I'm going to try and weave that in. So there's this rocket ship. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on, sir. Thanks for having me.
So that's it for another great episode. Do consider subscribing if you like what you hear. Give us a like or a share on social media. Speaking of which, if you want to follow the show, we're available on Twitter at Front End Podcast. You can follow me, Rob Kendall, on Twitter too at Kendall Mint Code. If you'd like to find out more about the show, sponsor an episode, or be a guest, you can find out more on our dedicated website, thefrontendpodcast.site. Thank you.